Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing reduced fetal movements. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any and all guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. So welcome back to Take Orally and delighted Dr. Anna Richmond back with us. Hello, Anna. Hello, still here. Still here, teaching fellow in obstetrics and gynaecology. Um, and um, we're going to have a chat in this episode about reduced fetal movements. Mm. Um, so, you know, having my mind of pregnant relatives, colleagues, oh, I can feel baby moving and it's this lovely moment and, and you know, everyone puts their hand and has a feel and it's lovely. Um, and the woman says, why are you touching me, Jamie? <laughs> uh, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Only if I know them and I'm invited. Um, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, so... What is the actual definition of a reduced fetal movement then? Um, so it's, real di- it's a real difficulty because although, um, like you say, fetal movements, well, yeah, it's lovely, but also it's a very reassuring thing for the mother. So it's generally, it's an indicator of fetal health. Baby's happy, baby's moving, great. But all babies are really different. So some babies may not move that frequently, or at least their mothers are not aware of the movements, even if you they are moving, the mothers, the perceived um, fetal movements is not very much. Some babies just move constantly. Hmm. And so there, there's no normal um, uh, amount of fetal movements, but we would expect um, women to feel fetal movements throughout the day, even if it wasn't very regular. So... The thing that we always tell women is to try to understand what the pattern of movements is for their baby and a reduction is either a significant change or a reduction from that normal movement pattern for that baby. Okay. Which is very uh, vague Mm. Um, and it's, it's really difficult for women because obviously it's quite a concern to them. They can make them quite anxious if the baby hasn't moved. But it's difficult for us to say, um, oh, baby should move. We used to tell women that baby should move 10 times a day and like they should kind of lay and make sure they count the kicks and things. But that is difficult. I mean, you, we do tell them that they should be you know, take time to be aware of the baby's movements, but absolutely counting the numbers has not been proven to be, you know, any reduction in... Okay. Um, kind of harm to babies or anything like that, which we'll we'll go into. Mm. Okay, and and so is it true then when uh, a pregnant woman will say, "Oh, this, you know, this baby is more active at this time of the day and than other pre- other pregnancies, or they were more active in the." Is, is that actually true, or is yeah, that a bit so, of a wide so, yeah. tale? No, it's not. So babies will have different movement patterns, and often women will tell you that their baby is more active at night. And that is just a, a thing that happens. Whether or not that's because w- a woman who's very active in the day and the baby's kind of, you know, lulled to sleep <laughs> all the time and they're less aware of it because they're very active and therefore they're more aware of it at night. Um, but I've had my own child and I would say that babies are quite active at night. They sleep all day and then they're awake all night. So I think it's probably <laughs> just progresses then into neonatal life. Good setup for them. Um, excellent. So, um, when should a pregnant woman start to feel fetal movements, and and when does it become a reliable indicator that all is well with the fetus? So it depends if it's their first time, if they're a first time mum, or if they've had a, a baby before. So in general, women that have had babies before will feel fetal movements earlier than ones that haven't. So. Um, 
the earliest that women could probably reliably feel fetal movements is about 16 weeks. But at that point, it's probably not a very reliable indicator. So they may feel the baby kind of a couple of flutters and then not feel the baby moving again for a few days. And that's normal for that stage. By about 20 weeks, most women have started feeling the baby moving. And then definitely by 22, 24 weeks, most women will have felt the baby moving. If the woman has never felt her baby move after 24 weeks, that's something we need to be aware of because it may indicate there's some underlying neuromuscular problem with the baby and that's why she's not feeling the movement. So they, that need would need to be investigated separately, but that's not really the focus of this um, podcast. Um, when is it a reliable indicator of, um, of fetal health? So after... Basically, movements will start around 20 weeks and then become kind of more and more, they will become more and more active and the woman will perceive the movements more and more until kind of 28, 30 weeks, at which point they'll probably plateau and there'll be a regular movement pattern mm. from that point. So after 28, 30 weeks, you, there is a, an established movement pattern that the mother should be aware of. Okay. And so it's really only after that that you can definitely say, okay this has been a significant change from normal because prior to that there may not really be um, a, a normal that the woman is aware of. So about 30 weeks the normal set? 28 yeah. 28. And that doesn't mean that we wouldn't um, you know if somebody presented or was concerned about reduced fetal movements prior to 28 weeks we would take that seriously but it may be that actually well and hopefully she comes we monitor the baby and all is well and that's the most mm. likely thing. Mm. Okay, um, so is it is it true that um, you know babies move less towards the end of the the pregnancy and and that a reduction can predict labour is about to be soon? So that's not true, and that is a commonly held belief amongst pregnant women that they think, oh, baby's not moving so much. I'm at the end of my pregnancy. Maybe that means the baby's you know not moving as much and storing energy for labour. But that's not true. So a baby should move um, all the way up until labour starts in that normal pattern and then also will move throughout labour as well um, if the baby is, is happy and healthy. Understandably, if you're being you know, forced out, you'd want to move a bit, wouldn't you? Probably, try and wiggle yourself <laughs> Hopefully wiggle. Um, into that correct position to get yes. through that very tight space. Yeah, easier delivery. But we need to tell women about that, because actually if they are of the belief that um, it's a normal thing for them to move less towards the end, then they're less likely to present themselves for oh, yeah. investigation. And that's the thing about this, is that the mother is the person who's driving... The presentation to hospital so mm. she has to um, either ask the midwife or the doctor or you know somebody who will be able to investigate that for her so we don't want them to have these beliefs that actually that's normal mm. okay um, but we, we do ask women to monitor the movements even though we don't give them a set number anymore yeah. um, so obviously that's important what sort of reasons behind that are there what are the reasons for reduced fetal movement um, so we've already touched on one that could be like an underlying neuromuscular problem that's kind of pre-existing in that baby that's, and that would be there from the beginning so that baby would never maybe have as many fetal movements but in ones where there have been um, fetal movements and then they've significantly reduced then it concerns us that there could be some evidence of hypoxia so we would describe that as kind of dis fetal distress to the, to the mother um, and that could be caused for a variety of reasons um, 
things like um, placental abruption, for example, baby would move less, although she may have presented with other symptoms rather than just the movements. Um, things like um, cord prolapse or uterine rupture, other kind of obstetric emergencies that cause hypoxia, that would cause also reduced movements. And it could be something more chronic, so something like a placental insufficiency. So that could just be related to placenta not functioning as they should. It could be that could be also tied in with preeclampsia as well, mm. um, and the baby being growth restricted and kind of a chronic hypoxia that causes that baby not to move as mm. well. Um, and that's so they're quite. Some of the th times it can be quite concerning. A lot of the time, as is standard with a lot of things, we don't find a reason. And um, the mother comes in and is monitored, which we'll, we'll go through, and we don't find any cause for it. And we can feel reassured and obviously advise her what to look out for and when to come back. Okay. And so what should a woman be advised to do if they're worried about uh, their, their baby's movements? So in... It depends on how many weeks they are. If they're very early, um, so if they're kind of less than 26 weeks or something, um, then sometimes just a bit of reassurance that actually that can be a normal thing. Yeah. But again, if they are persistently concerned, then we need to make sure that they present themselves for uh, monitoring of the baby. Mm. So less than 26 weeks, um, you would probably, well, initially advise them at least just to sit down, lay down on their left-hand side, drink some cold water or have something sugary to eat and just concentrate and just see. And if they feel movements, that's great. There's nothing further to do. If they're still concerned, then they need to contact their community midwife or their GP so that someone can listen for the baby's heartbeat. Um, and, and obviously check that's normal mm. more than 26 28 weeks um, that's the time when we can do uh, a more detailed monitoring so we can put the CTG uh, belt on the cardiotocograph and it will be we can interpret that more than 26 weeks so in that case it may be that the woman ends up coming to the hospital either via the community midwife or the GP or she self refers herself to the, the hospital because she's concerned the movements mm. um, are not are not as they were before she's you know she's worried about them mm. and if she did come into hospital mm -hmm. and she's being triaged what other symptoms would, would cause concern for you if you're taking the history so other things that might suggest something like an abruption um, or preeclampsia um, other things that might be associated with that placenta mm. either you know suddenly not working in abruption or um, a chronic um, kind of reduction um, other things may be as well, not really um, a symptom, but definitely a sign, like if you examined the patient and um, she had her symphysial fundal height, so that measurement that we take from the symphysis pubis to the fundus, if that was reduced um, for her gestational age and you're thinking, is this baby growth restricted, that would be another marker of um, perhaps placental insufficiency mm. and that should be taken seriously if they've then got reduced fetal movements. Okay. Are there any other investigations that are required? Um, so as soon as the woman attends um, either her community midwife or hospital, then we need to listen to the heartbeat. That's to check that it's actually present. So very rarely um, the reduced fetal movements can be a sign of intrauterine fetal death, um, which is why we tell women to kind of like not leave it a long time. If mm. they're concerned, then they should come when they're concerned rather than leaving it until the next day mm. so we need to check that fetal heartbeat is present and hopefully which most of the time fortunately it is then they have um, a more detailed monitoring so we put them on the ctg and they have that ctg and we obviously then can interpret that um, to see if 
there is signs of hypoxia, which obviously we'd need to act on, or does it look normal, in which case we can often reassure women. Okay. And um, what other management may be required then if you, if you do find something or, or if yeah. you're worried? So it's, it stems through um, the end, that initial, like I kind of said, they present, they have their monitoring, everything looks absolutely fine, we reassure them, right through to this patient needs an immediate delivery. So it can, um, <laughs> there can be a wide range of management. The other thing that we often do in these women is arrange, arrange ultrasound scans. So if somebody has just come for the first time uh, with reduced movements and actually they're otherwise totally well in pregnancy, don't have any risk factors for preeclampsia, they don't have any other problems, we, they come in, they have the monitoring, um, the ba- and then the baby it starts moving fine because that's normally what happens. You put them on a monitor and the baby starts kicking and the mother feels Charts like a fraud. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's great. We don't mind that because obviously that's, that's, that's what, we, what we want. Um, in that case, we can just reassure. But if the mother has got other risk factors for um, there being problems in the pregnancy, maybe she's already known to have preeclampsia, she's had it before, yeah. um, women that kind of smoke, have high, there's lots of things that may make you think that there could be something else going on, then uh, we would, or they've come recurrently with reduced movements, then we'd arrange an ultrasound scan to check for kind of other markers, essentially. So mm. we want to make sure the baby's growing well. Um, we check the blood flow to the baby um, through the umbilical cord and we check um, the fluid volume around the baby. So that, And that would give us kind of um, additional kind of reassurance, hopefully, that everything is okay. But sometimes we may pick up, actually, yes, the baby is growth restricted mm. and then we need to investigate why that is and that would require... Um, management obviously as well. Mm. So the, the time in A&E I get the, the most sort of experience with this is with um, um, women who are pregnant who say they've been in a car crash, a minor car crash or something or they've fallen down a few stairs yeah. and they said oh I've, I've not felt baby move since and so we obviously we make sure she's okay yeah. uh, and then obviously then to speak to, to the um, obstetric team saying can we arrange some follow-up for this lady and, and would that then normally be the ultrasound to see how baby's doing and so normally in that circumstance when you've made sure she's not broken her leg and yeah, yeah, yeah. everything else uh, we'll see her over in maternity yeah and um, make sure the baby is okay before she goes home so um, most of the time in that circumstance it's because she's distracted because she's been in a car accident and actually when she kind of comes and sits with us for a while and is reassured everything's actually fine but car accidents can cause placental abruption as well um, and so especially if it was a significant our accidents so it's definitely something that we need to make sure we we check out before she leaves the hospital um that's why we tell women to wear the seat belts above and below the the bump because if you wear them um across um that increases the chance of placental abruption during significant rta yeah excellent uh, anything else on reduced fetal movement i don't think so <laughs> thank you very much anna that was the Take Orally Reduced Fetal Movements podcast. You can find the blog entry and take visually for this podcast at www.takeorally.com. You can find Take Orally on both Facebook and Twitter. For more information about research and education opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine and major trauma, you can find NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter.